Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and thank you for downloading this episode of Queer Talk. This episode contains discussions that some listeners may find upsetting. This episode will mention discrimination of all forms, including racism, transphobia, homophobia and suicide. Hello and welcome to another episode of Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a fortnightly dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. In this instalment of Queer Talk, we will exclusively be discussing how Pride 2020 is a completely different form from any other Pride to date. This week is our Pride episode, as LGBT plus people across the world see in a very different Pride under lockdown. Welcome to Queer Talk. Hi! Hi. This month has been a little different, not only for us, but for everyone around the globe. This week, we are joined by the fabulous Adam Sabar, and I, for one, am delighted to have you join us for our Pride episode. How are you? I'm quite lovely. What about you, Mufsin? How's it going? I feel great. It's really nice to have you on the podcast after so many months. Oh my God, weeks. It's absolutely pouring outside, though. Yeah. It's grey. It's horrible, just like this podcast. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm joking. I'm joking. Actually, to anyone listening, Adam is my flatmate. Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate to live with him. Adam? is so supportive of the podcast how many episodes did you listen to so far three yeah i know i know i need to catch up how are you missing how's it going good yeah i'm good i'm kind of in a weird place because pride is different this month and there's a lot of stuff happening but as finance director for pride in london i'm still doing a lot of stuff for pride and you know i'm really excited about all the different things that are going to happen from different organizations during pride i mean that's that's really lovely because I assume you and you and Spencer have well had before COVID had super mm. high expectations for Pride. Yeah. And yet I don't because I've like never attended Pride in London. So I don't even know what it's like. Oh. I, I don't even know what, like so, what, what the expectation is. So there's um, no disappointment from my end. <laughs> That's okay. They always say go in with low expectations. And you Completely won't be disappointed. low expectations. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I'm totally stoked I'm missing it. But of course, like I've seen the pictures, I've read on, you know, the history of Pride in London and, you know, how much of a valuable resources it is for queer people in um, in the UK and especially in London. And I'm really sad I'm having to miss all of that. But, you know, you can digitize everything. Yes, well, you can digitize most things, but there's still something about the physical gathering of people and just being there to see loads of people celebrate the LGBT community. There's that, that you really can't replicate uh, in any other form yeah i mean that's that's a little bit unfortunate but you know connectivity is all humans will always find a way to connect I think it's really interesting so like for me I'm gutted that Pride isn't happening because it's a time where like queers get together but having been back and forth between Manchester and London before lockdown I remember just before lockdown we all went to the two brewers Mm. in Clapham and we watched oh my god that was the first episode of Drag Race right that was the launch of season 12 oh season 12 yeah Yeah. not the first ever episode episode. I don't even remember watching season 1 no one watched season (laughs) 1 like season 1 didn't happen who is Onika and it was it was Onika? Su- who you mean on China baby on China Onika oh, Onika is Nicki Minaj <laughs> oh my god I'm getting so many words confused today <laughs> Nicki Minaj and Angina are different <laughs> <laughs> you cannot compare the two talent wise arse wise drag wise like no um but Spencer have you have you been to a pride in London specifically because you're in Manchester yeah so I was in London for three years Hmm. Uh, for university and every year a job came up I work in the events industry a job came up on pride always in central London which was a nightmare we have to drive with a van with all our equipment and like driving through central London on a Saturday when there's a million people marching it's an absolute nightmare but logistics aside uh, I always like sneaked out of work for like a little break just to like run to the parade and have a quick look and then last year for the first time I was able to like actually be there be in it kind of feel it 
Last year, I was able to attend the parade without having to go to work. And I joined a group called Voices For, who marched against pride being a protest rather than just a party. And I think there's a lot of change that they kind of hope to see, or even just kind of education around how pride began, what the movement was, and how we mm. should kind of reflect on the journey that got us here, but also who got us here and who's been left behind, right? So I think mm. it was really nice to be a part of that. I still dressed up super queer, did my face, you know, had a good time, had a party, but like it was nice to be part of a movement towards something more kind of more serious and reflective upon like our rights and how we got here. And I think particularly this year, that's become even more prominent. And I think every year we will become more and more kind of informed about stuff like that because, yeah. I mean, we need to. It's it's completely ignorant to not look at how we got here. So, yeah, that, last year was my first year and it, it felt really like empowering just to be to be in everything without work. Can I just say, it's quite funny that you're saying you're at the back of the parade last year, um, marching for Pride being in protest, because last year I was right at the front. I was marching at the front with L with a T, G with a T, B with a T, uh, banners. Yeah. So I imagine my experience of Pride last year was the, literally the polar opposite because I was at the front and you were at the back. And also marching for slightly different things because I was at the front with Pride in London um, marching for trans rights and putting that at the front of the parade, rightly so. But again, like the atmosphere at the front was very much of a celebration and it's kind of hard to get away from that because there are so many people arriving on the day who are really excited for the beginning of the parade and yeah. it kind of, people are cheering, people are chanting as well. There wasn't any music at the front when I was there, but people are happy because it's a big event. So imagine the mood that I was experiencing on the day was very different to yours, but we were all there for the same reason, yeah. um, whether a celebration or a protest. And I definitely agree with you that every year, um, it sounds like a broken record, but we have to keep our, uh, keep reminding people about why Pride started as a protest, you know, for our rights, for liberation, because we can never forget that. It you know, doesn't matter how we celebrate it or mark yeah. the day. We need to know our history because if we don't keep saying it, we'll forget. So from, from my perspective, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword for like those two, per, those two opinions that you guys had. Because growing up in Dubai and growing up in a Muslim family, it was super important to me, you know, growing up as a closeted gay man in an Arab world where I could obviously be jailed or killed or worse. Oh, well, there's nothing worse than death. But where it was super important to me and my friends to see, you know, gay men and women non-binary and trans and, and all of these just enjoy themselves hmm. because enjoy themselves in public you know in front of the world's eye because this is uh, this was a blessing that we could not imagine ourselves and because we're so we were so um extremely contained in that environment we would always have the attitude of oh we'll never be like that so yeah i think it's it's a little bit of uh, of making sure that from your end you guys are protesting and remembering your history and etc but you you have to see the other side of the other side of the coin where there are people watching all of these yeah. documentations and all of these things and you see queer people just you know living their lives and partying and me watching that I was in complete awe I was like oh my god gay men and women uh, trans men and women can do this you know in public mm. you know can can just be themselves can enjoy themselves and they have a full day for themselves and I mean that in itself was and still is in my opinion a protest it was i mean where i am now since i'm living in london super happy that i grew up watching all of these you know pride parades and all of these gay men and women mm. uh, queer people just you know enjoying themselves also the protests and you know them fighting for our rights and etc but the simple aspect of my community and my family just enjoying themselves yeah how, how did you kind of take that in in terms of like obviously not being in london was was this just on the news or you saw it on like social media how did you um, it would be it? it would be on social media i mean i'd obviously follow a lot of people on twitter back then on tumblr and myspace and see all of these posts and all of these people going to pride and dressing up and going with their friends and whether it's pride in new york or uh, pride in los angeles or pride in london you know, you'd see all of this, it would, you know, go across the pond and, you know, all of these pictures and all of these things would go go everywhere where everyone's like daunting a flag yeah. or partying in the street or enjoying themselves or kissing them, you know, a man and, and another man or a woman and another woman. Or, a lot of these things that or, we would take for granted. Yeah, a lot of these things that you would take for granted or even you would protest against, we would, us, the queer community in the Arab world or in the Middle East would just be completely gobsmacked and overjoyed to actually see this it's really interesting because i think we see i mean the london bubble definitely exists but even just to hold that space 
being queer is political, whether like I go out now with a face on or just visibly queer in how I'm expressing myself or whether you attend like Pride in London, Manchester Pride, mm. like any of them, regardless of the, the politics behind that and the logistics and uh, all the things we kind of, you know, are con- continually addressing year after year to make things better. A lot of places in the world, like Adam said, like it's still illegal and punishable by death. And it's quite amazing. Like we actually, sh- I mean, we've said this before and been called out for it, but we should consider ourselves lucky to live in a country <laughs> where things are so far advanced like progress Mm -hmm. has taken place maybe not enough there's always more to be done the fight obviously continues but it's definitely something we should definitely consider more what's going on in other countries because i'm very ignorant to it i know that for a fact in the middle east just have to say this growing up in the middle east and having friends in the middle east because we can't protest, it, protesting is illegal, you know, in the yeah, UAE and the majority of the, of the mm-hmm. Arab world. We are so immensely proud of your work, whether it's completely minimal or absolutely over the top. We are extremely proud to be a part of this family and we are very, very, very happy to see queer people like you, Mufsin, and like you, Spencer, actually be queer and fight for our rights, even though it seemed hopeless back then where, mm-hmm. you know, I'd never get out of that horrible bubble. Just extreme pride looking at all of the advancements that all of the, the queer brothers and sisters that you know yeah. and our existence will always be a protest our liberation will always be a protest and we have to keep doing this and like Spencer said we can live in our London bubble we can live in our UK bubble we can also live in our Europe bubble but London being the biggest pride along with Madrid like we are also a beacon of hope to other countries and also our history of how we've got here is a blueprint for other countries as well mm. to learn from uh, to replicate you know and to do better so i think yeah it's it's very important to have pride and we should also continue to protest for our rights yeah uh, speaking of protests obviously it's all over the news and everywhere on social media rightfully so the black lives matter movement has you know completely taken absolute power Mm -hmm. um which is something that i was so happy to see to this day there are protests still going on and momentum has absolutely exploded on a movement that is just absolutely critical. I know that Pride Month is year on year has been extremely important to a lot of queer people, but I think the focus on Black Lives Matter, Black trans men and women's lives matter, yeah. Um, that focus is currently a priority, especially with the tipping yeah. point, the murder of George Floyd, uh, the murder of uh, Breonna Taylor, and then countless other murders. I mean, I've seen... We've had Mark walls, in the UK. Yeah, walls and walls and just gigantic lists of mm. names that are just painful to see. Yeah. And I think that protest is you know, extremely important to, to gain awareness. And yeah. Yeah, so George Floyd was murdered in the US... But like you say, protests happened in every single country almost. Mm. And people are just fed up. And it is, it's a, a symptom of a, a wider system of institutional racism that happens in a lot of European and ex-colonial countries. And it's amazing that, I guess, social media, you know, has this ability to facilitate everyone to move and hopefully disrupt the toxic systems that we live in. For sure, 100%. Like I mentioned, you know, humans, no matter what, will always find way, a way to connect. And you can only push so hard until people start pushing back yeah so i think it's really interesting while social media has been i think one of the strongest tools in this momentum that's kind of gained there's been a lot of flops and seeing people's true colors because um blackout tuesday was one of the things that kind of aggravated me um blackout tuesday Tuesday. was a campaign created by two black women in the music industry who wanted to take a day out and basically silence the music industry of all black music to make a point that they were not being appreciated, their work is not respected and there's discrimination in that industry and it grew, it blew up big time which was really exciting and very important and I think the majority of black people kind of were like yeah like we need to take the day off racism is not our problem and we it's our time to stop talking in a sense and non-black people need to step up and i saw so many white people joining in as a form of support which is you know i completely understood and i understand but it was like it was kind of ironic to see white people like oh i'm gonna take the day off (laughs) because my black friends and people on social media were saying was that no 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 like 
this isn't your time to be quiet, this is your time to be loud. That you need to step up, speak up, share resources, educate yourself, read, empower black voices, you know, all of this stuff and people were being quiet. And so as a result of the endless black squares that got posted, we actually managed to, I say we, collectively, social media managed to wipe out all of the resources, um, footage and petitions and everything. They wiped it all out from, from Instagram. So when, sorry, Spencer, just to clarify, when you say wipe out, you mean when you go to the hashtag Black Lives Matter, Instead of seeing loads of um, squares on Instagram of infographic, um, ways you can donate, ways you can help, it was just a long list of black squares which meant it was very difficult to find the information. Absolutely, and it was infuriating. So I was trying to kind of have conversations with people being like, okay, you posted the black square out of support. Like, what are you doing on top of that? And a lot of people were like, what do you mean? What am I doing on top of that, right? And I think this campaign kind of started off on a more local level, people challenging their friends and having conversations and being like, we need to talk about this because like, I'm clueless, you're clueless. You know, look at our following, look at our brands, look at where we shop, mm. look at where we hang out like why why is this all so so backwards why is it all so white in a sense and and it's not necessarily that people are racist when you talk about institutional racism we're saying you don't even have to do anything like specifically racist just being and not being anti-racist like not actually fighting what's happening you're allowing the system to discriminate people of color like me like the black community so it was a learning point for i think a lot of people who had never really thought too much about it because it didn't affect them but at the end of the day white people can do the most to disrupt that system and make fairer and the whole idea of blackout tuesday was that we all stop posting our content unusual content and only post stuff about black lives matter rather than taking a day off and i think that's where it's just kind of yeah didn't it, kind really of, it kind of got misunderstood and you know social media is social media and maybe next time the instructions mm. will be clearer and i don't believe that any you know i think people's hearts were in the right place it's no a one show is, of solidarity yeah mm. it was it was yeah. definitely a show of solidarity and like you know i hold my hands up i got really angry on the day and now i'm like do you know what like, a lot of people are trying to do right by this situation mm. all of a sudden although it shouldn't have been all of a sudden like people woke up and were like okay what do I do and it was that kind of shot and people were just reacting instead of reading and mm. informing themselves on stuff that it, it, it just kind of blew up but like you said the protests the physical protests in the streets took place mm. in almost every single country and the footage I've seen on the news and like social media of just like swarms and swarms of people is is really like it's really empowering and especially yeah. like did you guys did you guys go to so, a protest uh, yeah I went to the protest at the US embassy mm -hmm. Uh, so many people loads of people everyone was wearing masks no one was uh, everyone was trying to avoid touching each other so keeping social distance and it was very peaceful so I think like I was very grateful to be a part of this uh, movement been part of that protest on the day and I do get upset when I see news reports focusing on that one person who did some graffiti and um, focusing on that one person who damaged some property and it's it's kind of I had an argument or an argument. I had a discussion with um, a friend on WhatsApp in one of our groups and we were talking about how these protests are mostly peaceful and sometimes property does get damaged but like that's not the end of the world because at the end of the day people are dying, people are being discriminated against and like there's a bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Um, but the one person in our WhatsApp group was basically saying, oh no, you can do peaceful protests. Martin Luther King was peaceful, like all these things, like just trying to defend why the protests are bad and why they're violent. I'm just like, I'm really tired after posting so much about Black Lives Matter. I'm really tired and I don't have the energy to talk to you for two hours about why sometimes protests are peaceful. And if they do, you know, if they do become an uprising, some damage gets done to property. And like that's kind of in the grand scheme of things, in my opinion, just a My favorite part of the, the Black Lives Matter movement is like something that's I've been absolutely floored by where especially with in terms of social media where it can be a little bit of a negative with the whole blackout tuesday yeah uh, with the whole blackout tuesday my favorite part is the resilient consistent ability for people who are in these protests and are in these situations to constantly show the truth and constantly deny what is on the news what people are saying what propaganda or lies that people are spreading constantly you know making sure that we are aware and we know exactly what's happening and we know what is really going on because these are the people that are in the protests. I've seen so many countless news stories about breaking and it's violent and there are people who are actually in these protests who are literally live tweeting or live streaming or going on Instagram live and saying, this is peaceful. We are in this right now and there isn't anything going on. Or capturing courageous people, especially the young ones, capturing 
considering the violence that cops and policemen are, the absolute atrocities that policemen are committing, and they're making sure that these are recorded, and they're making sure to hold these people responsible. Yeah. Taking their badge numbers, making sure this they know exactly who this person is, telling thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to call their governor and make sure that that person is liable and justice is served. Yeah. And that's been my favorite part about that integration between social media and protest, making sure that we are not taken for granted no. in this movement and black people are not taken for granted in this movement and making sure that we always highlight the priority. Black lives matter. No matter what news agency is saying, no matter what news agency is talking about, a whole plethora of media publications all across the UK, the day after or a couple of days after the Black Lives Matter protests, covering only about that little lost girl Madeline McCain Madeline McCain yeah. and that was you go on social media me and you that. go on social media and you see hundreds of kids and children and black people in the UK completely denying this and reprioritizing focus hmm. and making sure that our focus is always on this movement similar to what's happening now there are so many people who are on social media who are saying this is not losing momentum no. this is not going away we are on the 22nd or 23rd or 20 20th day of protest this is not dying down and as it shouldn't no it shouldn't we should keep posting we should keep talking about it and that's my until, absolute favorite part. Yeah, you know. until the government, like these institutions, actually commit to doing something about it. And it's important to remember that Pride, you know, is a anti-police brutality movement. And it started off as that in 1969. And, you know, police were constantly raiding uh, queer spaces, mostly Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village in Manhattan. And the police would do that routinely every week. They would come in, harass the um, the locals, arrest some people, and take money from the tills because they were corrupt back in those days. And maybe now they are still. But well, definitely, definitely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the 60s, people just got used to the harassment. They got used to the raids and they, this was their life. You know, they would go to the pub. And, you know, there might be a chance that there'll be a raid mm. to the point where they had the pub had a ringing alarm to tell the residents, oh, stop touching hands, you know, stop doing this because the police are arriving in 10 minutes. It was that routine and that mm. was routine harassment and that was systemic uh, homophobia. And people were OK with it until they weren't in 1969. And that's when the inter interaction with the police became a bit too aggressive. They were like, you know, apparently inspecting people's genitals to check people's genders and like really roughing people up. And, you know, the queer community there, the queer community included people of colour, you know, street kids, included lesbians. Like these were the marginalised, marginalised people in the queer community who just wanted a safe space. They were being roughed up. And that night, people just had enough of the police. And, you know, we have Marsha P. Johnson, Sazunova and other activists and I say activists, they were just people who, you know, their existence was you know, political. They started this riot or uprising, if you will. And that's why we have June as our Pride Month, because Stonewall happened in June 27th. Mm. That was called the Christopher Street Liberation Day, the address of Stonewall. And that uprising started in the US. And as you've seen like this year with Black Lives Matter, what stuff that happens in the US, you know, isn't just confined to the US, because those issues are, you know, are in every single country. Yeah, they're global. Um, exactly. As soon as that happened. The GLF formed in the US, the Gay Liberation Front, the GLF formed in the UK, and that was the birth of the Pride movement, and at its core was an anti-police brutality uh, movement and a movement about liberation. And I think we, as queer people, we understand that. Mm. Most of us understand. If you don't, you should read up. Extremely hyper-aware that this, you know, this protest and what happened in the uprising in 1969, over 50 years ago, was started by a black trans woman. Mm. And, and that just, you know, exemplifies the importance of this movement and why it's so important and why black lives matter and why that's so critical right now. And highlighting that and fighting for that is something that I don't think I will ever stop, you know? No. And I don't think queer people, whether you're white, whether you're brown, whether you're, you're black, I think realizing the, the position that black people are in and have been in and highlighting that and fighting against that is just super important. I think the, the whole thing is really interesting that we, you know, we kind of put Pride Month, I wouldn't say on hold, but we kind of toned it down a bit because this movement is more important right now based on the, the situation. But I remember I was quite anxious to attend the, the protest, although it was peaceful, just because it seemed like something I hadn't really been involved in before. And like I think as a newcomer to physically marching and standing up for black rights, it felt quite a lot. And when I got there, so many people had black queer lives matter, black trans lives 
Lives Matter, Black LGBTQ as well. And I was mm. like, okay, yeah. And I did a lot of reading on intersectionality, which is a term coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, a Black activist. And she pointed out basically that you can be black and you can be a woman and your struggle as a black woman may be different from a black man or you know being black and queer like there are their intersections their intersections exactly And it's, at first, we we kind of had these discussions around our Pride campaigns, our Pride episode, and we were like, okay, now's not the time. And I'm like, hold on, no, now is the time, right? Because we're fighting for black lives and that's all black lives and black queer Mm -hmm. lives are just as important. And like you just said, this movement was started by black trans women of colour and black butch lesbians at the time. And we're 50 years on from Stonewall, right? And (laughs) we're still fighting for this. We're still fighting for... Yeah, black it, lives. Like, and like the black same black thing. Trans lives. Except, except, you know, non-people of colour have flourished and thrived mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And it is vital that we fight towards this equality, that everyone has the same rights here, because, you know, the argument always is, like, how can we overtake them it doesn't it doesn't make sense so one thing i kind of was reflecting on is that adam just mentioned we've seen all this footage of like the violence and getting the police numbers and stuff and as a result we see justice we see investigations now taking place because we've got their faces we've seen them push people down we've seen them break the law obviously when stonewall happened smartphones weren't a thing recording things wasn't a thing and i I think it's amazing that they made the progress they did without all of this evidence and you know footage and stuff like the police will have been maybe even more corrupt then than they are now and if they were even more corrupt and they were getting away with things and we still managed to break through and make progress and fight in much smaller numbers as well i imagine then we are we are literally unstoppable now and that's what i think people need to hold on to it seems more difficult because everyone's making noise social media everyone's making noise everyone's shouting constantly about the same thing and often it feels kind of endless like you're in a black hole because nothing's going anywhere but actually we are unstoppable like things are Mm. changing and I love a lot of people were like oh why are you marching for something that doesn't affect you or like why are you protesting during coronavirus and it was showing you all these things you know a hundred thousand dollars has been invested in this community this legislation's been passed this statue's been removed this has happened that's happened this office has been uh, arrested and it's like guys like we're making this happen our noise our presence on the street you know they always say like oh it only takes one person to make a difference if everyone decided that you know oh we shouldn't march today because you know we probably shouldn't do it that noise wouldn't have been heard and that progress wouldn't have been made so regardless of the time or the place like we are making progress everything's completely changed from the stonewall <laughs> the stonewall riots to now things have changed but they're completely they're, they're also the same and we need to just we need to keep on keeping on yeah i mean i definitely completely agree with you and one critical thing that i'd like to say is i owe my life as a gay man and i owe my life and my rights as a gay man to the black lives matter movement because it was started by and my pride and you know how i'm able to live today in you know the westernized society is because of a person of color because of someone black and i just want to add to that is when i was reading around stonewall and the glf they also said that the glf started with a wider remit of to be against inequality against LGBT people and they modelled themselves on the Black Panthers and they supported the Black Panther movement and Marsha P. Johnson was a black trans woman but Black Panther movement was happening in America at the time, the civil rights movement and you know we as queer people, maybe we wouldn't have been able to do the Stonewall Uprising if that wasn't if it wasn't in the context of the Black Lives Matter movement then, so the Black Panther movement then. Like we owe our lives to those people back in the 60s, 70s. You know, if it wasn't for them going out and having their first pride, which is Stonewall Uprising, then we wouldn't be able to, as like our 16-year-old selves, 17-year-old selves, mm. be able to go to our first pride yeah. safely. Hi, my name is Shay and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. My first Pride was Brighton Pride in 2015 um, when I was 17 years old. Pride is important to me because it's the first time I saw people like me out and about. People of all sorts of sizes, shapes and shades. Everyone wearing so much rainbow and enjoying themselves. I'm proud. There's, um, there's so many of us. It felt like there was no way I could be hurt and for just a little while. It felt like I was invincible, like I could do anything. Pride is important to me because it is community and freedom. It's where I can be seen and heard. 
I'm celebrating Pride this year by having by having a digital celebration with friends and also going to a few digital Pride events that are happening online. Hello, my name's David. My pronouns are he, them, because I'm really uncomfortable with the whole concept of gender binary. My first Pride was only last year, actually, before I'd come out. I went with my daughter, who's um, gay, and that's also a big part of why Pride's so important to me because that was the first step on my road to actually acknowledging not just to myself but to the wider community of my sexuality and the fact that I'm bi. So- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So being at Pride, being able to be me with other people celebrating the whole diversity was a wonderful experience and gave me the confidence to be able to say later that year, yes, this is me. And the whole process then of partner, friends, even family started really from there. So Pride is incredibly personal to me because it's an integral part of that journey. In the absence of a proper Pride, then hopefully, then the restrictions will lift and at some point during June we'll have a Pride in the back garden with a daughter, various friends, and so on, and we'll have a celebration in the garden. Otherwise, then I will, of course, be inhabiting the realm of Twitter and um, annoying everybody with large amounts of rainbow flags, bi flags, and LGBT things. My name is Josh Rivers. My pronouns are he and him. My first pride was Madrid in 2011 and it was a wonderful uh, trip with a group of friends and a man I used to love and I remember um, coming out of Gran Via on the day of the Pride celebration and for those of you who don't know Gran Via is like Madrid's Oxford Circus and I wasn't sure what to expect I'd never been to a Pride celebration before I was, um, I guess, perhaps reluctant to do it. In any case, I came out of Gran Via, and as I ascended the steps of this from the metro station, I was met with like a sea of people, and not just gay men that we're used to seeing at, at Pride celebrations, but literally everyone you can imagine. Um, mothers with their children, um, whole families, grandmothers, grandfathers, old people, young people, uh, just everyone was, everyone in Madrid, it seemed, had descended on Gran Via to celebrate um, the queer community. And I started crying because I had never seen such a, so many people celebrating and dancing and cheering and hugging each other. The police officers, I mean, we're defunding the police hopefully and abolishing them, but the police officers in Madrid were so enthusiastic and so celebratory. And I just, I will never forget it. I think it reminded me of how important it is for us to come together. And not only for us to come together on our own, but for the people around us to show up for us and and to say, not only are you okay and perfect just as you are, but we're gonna celebrate who you are. Each of us is a testament 
um, to life, to the community, to our ancestors. And I was reminded of that in Madrid. Um, and Madrid still remains one of my favorite cities on earth. I went to an event there and the mayor said, Madrid isn't um, gay just during Pride Month. Madrid is a gay city. <laughs> so yeah, that was my first Pride. Thank you so much to everyone who shared their first Pride experience. And now we're going to go into what Adam did on his first Pride. First Pride was actually absolutely unbelievable. It was one of the most unforgettable experiences that I'll, you know, ever have. It was extremely eye-opening. It was in Barcelona. I, don't, I think it was 2014, 2013. Hmm. It was ages ago. And I was actually there uh, on a trip. I had no idea that Pride was happening during those three days. And I was only there for those three days. An accidental Pride. Oh, totally. I had no idea it was happening. And I came to the hotel room and they said, oh, are you here for Pride? And I'm like, what are you talking about Pride? <laughs> So I just literally scrambled. The Pride Parade was happening the day after uh, I arrived. And then, um, you know, the couple of days after the Pride parties continuing, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, I have to attend the Pride Parade. Of course. Um, and I was there alone. No, I was there with my sister, actually. Who That's a lot to unpack. But <laughs> I was there with my sister and um, I was like, oh, I have to go to the parade. So I go to the Pride Parade and I just wanted to go to the very start. I woke up extremely early, ridiculously early. I'm like oh my god I've never experienced this before wore like the shortest short shorts the gayest shirt and reached there and it was the beginning of the the whole entire parade and then I was walking and then I was like okay so where do where do people stand to watch and then I was talking to some people on the side of the road and they were like oh you can just join into the parade like anyone can join it That's and cool. I was like are you kidding me? I was like, what? So the parade was filled with these gigantic buses that were playing music and um, people completely covered in makeup and in wigs. And you see all of these different types of flags that, mind you, I have never seen before. How old were you then? This was... I was probably like 19 hmm. or something like that. I go there and I see these flags that I've never seen before, the non-binary flag and the trans flag. And I'm like, what are these? Because I'm only aware of, you know, what's what mainstream media puts out there, which is the, you know, the rainbow flag. Yeah. And I go there and we start marching, the music is playing. And then I just get completely and absolutely, completely filled with emotion because I was part of a celebration where it wasn't anything to do with a sport. It had nothing to do with a national day. It had nothing to do with someone else. It had nothing to do with a major occurrence or a historical movement or uh, some sort of prophet's birthday or mm. Christmas. It had nothing to do with anything. It only had to do with the celebration of love. It was purely the celebration of human connection. And that like just completely filled me with so much joy because I was never, I've never experienced that. And I was never a part of that. Mm. And I kept looking around and I kept going like, oh my God, is this real? And I, and I was, every single thing I would see, like lesbian women showing affection with the, to each other, uh, trans men and women walking on the road, drag queens, absolutely everything, like all types of queer people. And I was like, this is a pure 100% unbridled celebration of love. And I was never a part of that in my entire life. And it was just such a magical feeling. And I remember blisters in my feet because I walked the entire parade from start to finish. I walked the whole thing from start to finish. You did a gay pilgrimage. Oh, 100%. It, was, it, it, did, it, it did feel like a gay pilgrimage. And oh my God, and the bus next to me was playing stellar music. They were playing Rihanna 24-7 on repeat. Yes. And I was like, yes, this is the best. And the way they completed the parade was they went around Barcelona and don't remember exactly where it was. But they ended up being in uh, the parade, walked into this massive stage where everyone in the parade just ended up in a party. People just dancing and celebrating and, you know, loving themselves. And everyone in the street was celebrating the queer movement. Everyone, everyone, everyone was just happy. A, a feeling that I've never felt before. 
And I also, unfortunately, I don't want to turn this into like doom and gloom, but it also made me feel extremely deprived because this is what I deserve. This is the treatment that you know, that I deserve. These are the rights that I deserve to be exactly who I want to be, anywhere I want to be, you know, as queer as I want to be. Mm. And I can't wait for my next Pride. I mean, now that you've told the story in such enthusiasm, it's not a story I will ever forget. <laughs> like, I'm just going to tell people this was my first Pride. <laughs> I'm going to borrow your story. Oh, and it was beautiful. It was the middle of July in Barcelona. Mm. Gorgeous, stunning. The sun was here and queer. It was sickening. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Love it. Mufsin, you've been part of Pride in London for a while. Yeah, three years. How is it always sunny? I feel like it's always yeah, it quite has nice. Been. Oh my god. You know, and I'm there watching the parade, doing my job as a steward uh, manager there. I'm burning, like literally burning. The sun knows the gays love her. Yeah. <laughs> we we do sun dances. <laughs> to make sure it doesn't rain on Pride Day while I've been volunteering there it's given me like a lot of insight into how a big Pride event is run how much effort and time the volunteers uh, people who run the organisation put into it not just Pride in London but like this is what every single big city Pride does mm. like Madrid Pride Barcelona Pride in order to make that experience that you had Adam mm-hmm. so many people had to put all the logistics together and you know right after uh, my first Pride because I was so exposed to the different, you know, spectrums and the different aspects of queer life because there were so many people there and celebrating themselves. I just, after and sobbing and going back home and blah, 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 I just went and educated myself. It was the first time that I understood what um, a non-binary person was. It was the first time that I truly grasped the concept of the trans movement and how critical the trans, especially the black trans movement, is to the to the LGBT community. And yeah, it was just such a great opportunity for me to have that first pride, not only to feel a sense of belonging, but also to educate myself and make sure that I know my family and I know all of my brothers and sisters. We obviously have all celebrated our first pride and have been present in these things for like a couple of years. Um, but it's very important to remember the countless lives that we lose to this fight, to this protest. We've recently lost more of our black trans siblings, Dominique Remy Fells, Rhea Milton, Tate Gully. And we also remembered the fourth anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando where 49 lives were lost. And it's reminders like this, that even when we're celebrating and being ourselves in spaces that we can be, we are continuously attacked. And that is why Pride is so important right now and always will be until things, until incidents like that stop or are kind of treated with the same respect that other murders and disasters are treated, then we need to continue fighting. Hi, my name is Michelle Summers. My pronouns are she, her. Um, my first Pride was Birmingham Pride. I'm from Birmingham and it was like the best Pride ever. Um, and I'm still biased in that sense. It kind of has like a mixture of like a good party and like the serious matters at hand and as well in the last couple of years it's really grown and it's really great um because the west midlands sometimes doesn't have that representation so going to birmingham pride it kind of just solidifies why pride is important to me um because we don't have the big scenes like london so i guess that's why pride's so important to me especially in the west midlands because we don't have that visibility and we don't have these important discussions happening like in London. Um, so when Birmingham Pride goes ahead, or any Pride really, um, I find it really, really just exciting and it just, it opens your mind so much to what's going on there. As a, like, a cis lesbian, my experience isn't the only one. So I think Pride introduces me to so much more than my own narrative, I guess. And the way I'm celebrating Pride this year, we have been attending some virtual Prides that have been being put on. Um, But also I thought I'm going to just create my own. So I'm the founder of a page called Unite UK and we are hosting our own Pride, shameless plug, um, called Unity Pride. And it's just really a sense of bringing the community together around the world and celebrating in one space. Um, So I'm really excited for that. But yeah, apart from that, not much else, which is kind of sad, but I'm really excited. And hopefully next year we get to attend these Pride events and have a sense of normality back. But fingers crossed. My name is Jose and my pronouns are he, him. My 
first Pride was in the summer of 2018 in London.、Um, it was pretty much just dancing throughout the streets、uh, back then with some friends.、Uh, Pride's important to me because it's basically an opportunity to allow myself to feel. Ecstatic and proud about a part of my identity, which used to make me feel pretty ashamed.、Um, I'm celebrating Pride this year by setting up a small, socially distanced picnic for、um, my gay friends and a few straight ones as well, <laughs>、um, and probably blasting Chromatica through some speakers. Hi, my name is Luke, and my pronouns are he/him. My first Pride was Warwickshire Pride, which took place in a small town in the Midlands, and it was nothing grand or spectacular. But it was really significant to me because、um, I remember walking through, like the stalls and seeing the small parade march, and it just being a revelation that I was in a local small town and everyone there was celebrating my existence. As a gay person, and that pretty much everyone around me probably supported、uh, rights for LGBT people, and that was just a very powerful thing. It wasn't particularly flashy, and that night we ended up in this dreadful pub for a Pride disco night, where there were about five people and us. But I'll just never get over that feeling. Of being accepted by ordinary people in a small town. As queer people, we grow up with this feeling of shame and loneliness, and thinking that we are something wrong、uh, and different. And then Pride happens, and for a whole month, it seems like the world is celebrating your existence and saying that actually you're part of this society and a really good part of it. And I think it's really important if you've grown up feeling segregated and ashamed, that actually we come together and remind ourselves and remind each other that being gay is our superpower, not something to be ashamed of. And I think it's really empowering to do that. Also, I think there's just a really good feeling for me in in seeing adverts and stuff. So I know there's a lot of cynicism about corporate organisations chasing the pink pound. And there are definitely problems related to that, but actually, I think there's something pretty amazing about seeing things about LGBT rights and and rainbows on the sides of buses, on TV adverts, on billboards, and it's a sign, like for a whole month, to me, that the world is just saying we accept you. One of the ways in which I'm going to celebrate Pride this year is actually to read up on. Some queer history and some stories of LGBT plus people,、uh, particularly things about the trans experience,、uh, which, as like a white cis gay man, I just feel like is something that actually is not part of my everyday knowledge or experience. So I just want to get as many facts、um, about that as possible, so I can be educated. I mean, we're all talking about Pride and the Black Lives Matter movement and, and trans lives and the history, and I feel like it's a little bit important to to understand how you guys individually, you and you and Spencer, I've seen and Spencer are celebrating Pride. How are you guys going about it this year? So the way I'm celebrating Pride this year, as it's so different to previous years, is I'm going to do what I normally do, which is obviously post about Pride, but there's no physical space, so I will continue to post about how I Pride is important. My experiences of Pride as a queer Muslim person, person of colour, keep sharing my stories and also stories like mine to to educate others, to really show like every one person can be proud and should be proud and has a right to be proud. And with the Black Lives Matter movement happening, you know, within the context of Pride movement as well, and also I'm sorry I have to mention this, but in the context of what J.K. Rowling has said and the Gender Recognition Act being, I guess, scrapped for now, there's a lot that I want to talk about. About, and I, there's a lot of、um, voices I want to platform and issues I want to platform. So my focus is definitely going to be con- to continue advocating for my trans siblings and my black siblings、uh, during Pride Month, and、um, that's going to be mostly on a virtual space. Lovely. What about you, Spencer? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I've been working alongside the LGBT Foundation doing a really cool campaign called My Pride Is and it's been really nice to get a lot of people involved in that. I'm just, I'm trying to keep the spirit alive. A lot of people are completely overwhelmed, rightfully so, by the whole situation and we are kind of confined to Pride season. Like, after that, things go back to normal for another year and whilst, you know, we go to the clubs and the bars and, you know, we, we try and live as authentically as we can all year round, Pride is a time where... A lot of people come out for that weekend because they're safe and they're with their friends and they're in a space, but then they have to go back inside for the rest of the year. So I want to continue to kind of lift voices and empower people to celebrate now while you can, because things do quieten down afterwards. It's interesting to see how brands and stuff are handling pride this year because they can't just slap a a rainbow in their window. Most windows, you know, most shops are not open and it's interesting to see how the support goes up and down. So I'm, I'm really just trying to be kind of vigilant of what's happening this year and also trying to let people know that it's it's okay and like hopefully next year will be bigger and better and more exciting it will be I hope for, so. for London. Uh, if if Miss Rona <laughs> just leaves us the leaves us the hell alone, like my God. Mm. But yeah, we need to continue to celebrate our authentic selves as well. And we've talked about how we're celebrating Pride this year, but a part of me just really wants to be with my friends, my queer friends, during Pride, because that's essentially when it boils down to it. Pride is just about being with your chosen family, your friends, and feeling safe. And as much as I can during social distancing times, I would like to do that. So I may see some friends, you know, with a social picnic and enjoy a beverage or two but still trying to be safe as possible and try to live that spirit of pride this year as well yeah no definitely i think it's important to remember as well that like whilst we occupy a street or an area for pride like physically pride is more than that pride kind of is a movement that is is all year round and is celebrating being queer um you know constantly developing like our gender expression our physical expression the clothes we wear the songs we listen to the places we hang out the people we hang with and I think we definitely need to to stick to that and remember that pride isn't a space it's a feeling it's a movement it's a protest it's a riot it's 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 exciting yeah it's the people we grow with we love we spend time with I'm gonna continue to FaceTime every bloody queer person I can until they get sick of me because because I just live for it I'm gonna block you yeah I'm surprised you haven't already this this lockdown has lost you often Spencer I'm not queer by the way completely straight so just don't include me in just don't FaceTime me (laughs) (laughs) thanks Spencer and uh, Mufsin for giving me those lovely insights on how you guys are going to be celebrating pride I know that sounds very sarcastic (laughs) I'm I'm actually being really genuine thank you I think for me the way I'm going to be celebrating pride is honestly since I mentioned in the beginning of podcast of how you know I have very little expectations because I've never had Pride in London before. I think I'm going to prioritize my celebration of Pride by making sure I'm fighting the fight, making sure I'm educating myself as much as possible on um, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm educating myself as much as possible on our uh, on trans men and women and the fight that they're fighting, making sure that I'm using my privilege and using the way the system has benefited uh, someone like me uh, and making sure that I use that privilege to, to, to help people of color and and educating myself on how I can do that. I'm going to make sure that, you know, I do my part and help as much as I can uh, and obviously give a platform even though I don't have that many followers and I, I, I don't have that a big of a voice as you guys do, but make sure that whoever hears me and all of my friends uh, back home in Dubai know what's going on and I, and I think that's yeah. super important. That's lovely. Yeah. It'll be a celebration to me because that's going to make me extremely happy. I'm better my family you know I'm growing and developing my family being on the right side of history it does feel empowering like this does feel like the first time I've been to a number of protests in London for fighting for the environment fighting for different stuff and I think this finally feels like okay change is gonna happen and like in years to come when you're like oh like I was there like I worked towards Mm. making that happen I didn't sit back and be like oh this happened by itself so yeah I think that's definitely what we all need to be doing and we need to remember that whilst it seems like the movement is slowing down because of the way it's being presented on social media people starting to go a bit quiet and stuff like the momentum is still there I know there's um, trans protests taking place over the coming weekends, um, both in Manchester and in London, which is really exciting. I imagine there will continue to be protests, so continue to attend and we need to, yeah, we need to stick it out. Hi, my name is 
Priscilla and um, my pronouns are she, her. My first pride was a really long time ago. I remember my parents taking me and my brother to the pride in Amsterdam. Attended it several times during my youth. And then my first official pride that I went to myself was in 2017 in London and that was also the first year that I volunteered. I'm celebrating Pride this year by connecting with my community, reach out to young people as that is my my role for Pride in London and I'll be celebrating Pride by reminiscing the last few years, being loud, by hanging out with my rainbows, I'll be celebrating by connecting with my family and with my friends and including them in being allies. I'll be celebrating by listening to queer people talk and listen to podcasts and watch documentaries and support queer business. Pride is important to me because as far as we've come as a country, as just in the world in general, there's still so much to do. There's still so so many problems and injustice and as much as it's important to celebrate the milestones that we've reached i think it's even more important to have a day once a year to protest i find pride really important because there's so many people in the world that don't feel safe to be themselves and if if we can come together one day a year create a safe space for people to come to and be themselves then you know that's the most important thing and if that may help people to feel a little bit safer find people to connect with then you know we should never give up hi i'm alfredo my pronouns are he him my name is Chris, my pronouns also he, him. Uh, we are from uh, the Astrolic Explains podcast uh, and from Pride and STEM. My first Pride was in 2008 in London. Uh, I'm Italian, but uh, i never been to a Pride uh, in Italy. And uh, London was uh, the first time that I had the chance to go out uh, in March. Growing up in a little village in North Wales, I didn't really have a sense of what Pride was and how it was so important. It wasn't until we got together that I actually took part in a Pride March and I think it was 2015 in London was my first. Pride is important to me because it's a moment uh, that allows us to celebrate how much and how far we have come, but also to reflect uh, on the road ahead and the many challenges and discriminations for every person in our community. Pride is important to me because on a personal level it feels so liberating and freeing to be able to actually engage in such a massive community event. It feels really personal but also special because it's so communal. You feel like you're part of something and I think that's really special. I'm celebrating Pride this year by being even more outrageously queer online. <laughs> I think I'm probably going to celebrate by finding any sort of online Twitter-based Pride celebration and I'll probably just retweet a lot and kind of wish it was just a big physical thing. Well, we're gonna just gear up for next year and make it even bigger and better and queerer. Next year is gonna be incredible. My name is Crystal Ogar and my pronouns are she, her. My first Pride was when I turned 18, I believe. I had been going to PFLAG since I was 15, and we had been going to the courthouse to petition for gay marriage and doing all these awesome things, but I hadn't been to Pride yet. So my first Pride was with a bunch of my friends that I had met through PFLAG, and it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in my life. It was emotional. We saw people cheering for us when we were marching in the parade with PFLAG, people crying, giving us hugs. It was one of the most beautiful things I had ever seen and experienced in my entire life. Pride is important to me because I want to always feel that support as a queer black woman and to feel that my voice is being heard, that um, my love is important, that who I am is important. And pride was is because of black and brown trans women. So I celebrate them and I celebrate that when I'm talking about pride, doing anything with pride activities, that's 
who I always have in my mind when I'm, you know, celebrating Pride. And I'm celebrating Pride this year by doing just that. I'm protesting with the Black Lives Matter movement and bringing bringing Pride right back around and throwing it back to exactly what it is, what it started as, a riot and a protest and a fight for Black and Brown, queer, trans lives. So I'm celebrating Pride by amplifying Black queer voices, my own, my friends, people I don't know, and just remembering that my life is important and so are the lives of the people most marginalized. And that, everyone, is the end of our Queer Talk Pride episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. And I want to say thank you to Adam for joining us. Did you have a good time, Adam? I did. I had a really lovely time. For our listeners, how can they follow you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. And the handle is at LowkeyAdam. And that's A-D-E-M. It's not with an A. It's yeah. with an E. And Lowkey, L-O-W-K-E-Adam. With an e. M-O-W key. You've lost me there. But, um, I'm going to low-key follow you right oh, now. 100%. Go ahead. Absolutely. And thank you to all of the fabulous queers that have contributed to this episode. Thank you to Alfredo, Chris, Charlotte, Crystal, David, Jose, Josh, Luke, Priscilla and Shay, of course. And if you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please tell us on our socials. We're on Instagram at queer underscore talk. And on Twitter, we are queer talk underscore. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.